Okay, I would like now to discuss uh, the uh, Pareto optimality uh, equation, which is actually equation 8.3 in uh, the text, right? We are at uh, page 152, section 8.3. First of all, we have demonstrated in that section that the competitive equilibrium satisfies the condition of Pareto optimality and we see that here because we have an equilibrium where in fact uh, C11 is equal to C21, C12 is equal to C22 so in all cases we have uh, this triple equality equals to 1 so we satisfied the competitive equilibrium for lambda equal 1 Okay, so we say competitive equilibrium is a Pareto optimum. We identify which Pareto optima, the Pareto optimum for, for which lambda is equal to 1. As I've said in class, when we change lambda from 0 to infinity, we trace the entire contract curve. The competitive equilibrium is a Pareto optimum. It hits the contract curve at one specific uh, point, uh, the equi equal weight point. Now, uh, I would like to discuss what it means for lambda to be different from, from 1, but before that, uh, to also uh, solve the problem of, uh, uh, that we have posed as the Pareto optimal problem, uh, taking into account of the inequality constraints. Okay? And the way we do this is, as uh, we have done in the past, first we are going to use the three constraints here in order to get rid of agent 1. That in other words, we are going to replace C10, C11, and C12 by the value implied by these constraints that I have um, circumscribed. And then we are going to have a problem with one objective function and only non-negativity con conditions. Uh, if we don't take account of the non-negativity condition, we have this uh, condition of optimality. If we take it into account, we will allow for inequalities, and I would like to make sure that we understand what these inequalities would mean, uh, since this is what would also be possible if we have uh, marginal utilities, which are constant as in the competitive equilibrium example that we have derived here. So for that, I have rewritten the problem in uh, this second slide. Uh, we have here C10, we have here C11, we have here C12, okay, but we and we have eliminated these variables, substituted out these variables, so we now have only three variables with which we are optimizing, but I would like to take into account of the inequality constraints for these, uh, two, uh, uh, for these three variables. So what are the uh, conditions? I'm going to simply take the derivative with respect to C20, okay, and it's enough for one. So I'm going to take del the partial delta u1, delta c10, and inside the derivative of c10 with respect to c20, which is minus one, plus lambda delta u2, delta c20, and that is going to be less or equal to zero, equal if C to zero is positive. That's the Kuhn-Tucker constraint corresponding to uh, Kuhn condition corresponding to these inequality constraints. Rewriting this uh, condition, I can 
obtain the following condition, lambda delta u2 delta c2 0 is smaller or equal to um, uh, delta u1, I'm, taking, I'm getting rid of the minus sign, delta c1 0. Okay? And I am saying this should be equal if c2 0 is positive, and understand that it could be indeed we could have a strict inequality of this sort, but it must then be that C2, 0 is equal to 0. And, and as we have seen in the uh, same interpretation is the same as we have seen in the other problem uh, with inequality constraints. And uh, basically, from the perspective of the optimizer, which is sort of the central planner here, uh, it must be that when, uh, uh, for an optimum, we will typically have an equality between, uh, at the margin, the, util the marginal utility of good one, uh, sorry, good zero, uh, good, the, the good of the state zero, dead zero, dead, dead zero good uh, for individual one, and the marginal utility of a good zero for uh, Mr. Two, but with the lambda indicating the weight that I am the preference, if you want, I want to attribute to Mr. Two. Now, given that preference, and take it as given for the moment, we could have an inequality, which would mean an inequality such as the one that is entertained here, would mean that actually giving a little bit of good zero to Mr. One would increase the utility of Mr. One more than it would uh, decrease because we would transfer the good zero from Mr. Two to, to uh, Mr. One and it would increase the utility of Mr. One more than it would decrease the utility of Mr. Two uh, multiplied by lambda. This could be an optimum but only if C to zero is equal to zero because clearly in that context I would maximize the social welfare, the sum of the utility, by weighted sum of the utility by giving indeed a good zero to more good zero to Mr. One because his marginal preference for good zero is larger than the marginal preference for good zero for Mr. Two. But simply I cannot do it because we are already at zero. I cannot give negative consumption for agent uh, two of good zero. Okay, so that is uh, the meaning of this condition. And of course, we have condition in all directions. Uh, if uh, we have zero consumption, we have a limited exchange that are possible uh, in uh, this problem. Now, clearly, if we have one such condition holding with an inequality, we are going to have condition 8.3, okay, possibly holding with one inequality, okay? So we could have a situation where, for instance, uh, this condition with an inequality between uh, two states, or two dates, uh, is compatible with uh, an equilibrium, uh, or sorry, even compatible for, with a Pareto optimum, but it would then mean typically that we must be at zero consumption for one agent at date zero. Hmm? And here typically 
what would happen, we could see that if we have an inequality of this sort, this will mean that uh, the, uh, on a relative basis, the marginal utility of Mr. 1 uh, for good 0 is lower than uh, the uh, marginal utility uh, for uh, good 1. Or similarly, because since we talk about a relative basis, the preference for Mr. of Mr. 2 for good 0 is larger and this would then be identified with a Pareto optimum only if we cannot give more of good zero to Mr. 2. So such an inequality would imply that uh, Mr. 2 would have uh, zero uh, consumption uh, if I am not mistaken, but I ask you to check that. Um, third and final point on this uh, um, Sorry, to make a third point and then I maybe make a fourth one. What, what would happen, for instance, if lambda was equal to 2? Okay, what would happen if lambda was equal to 2? Okay. Lambda equal to 2 here uh, would mean that the Pareto optimum that we identify would have uh, this uh, characteristics that the marginal utilities for Mr. 1 would always be larger, I mean twice as big, as the marginal utilities for Mr. 2. Okay? Typically that would mean that indeed if the marginal utility of agent 1 is larger, that means that we give him less. Okay? We give him less, he consumes less, and his marginal utility is above, which corresponds to the intuition we put more weight on 2, we give less to 1. Note that if we have constant marginal utility, as uh, we have uh, in the problem of this section, then uh, this is not going to be possible. We will typically have an inequality of this sort, right? Now we don't have one here, we would have two in that case, which would be feasible by giving less of both good to Mr. 1 in the two state tomorrow, but that will not change the marginal utility of Mr. 1 at day zero, we thus must have an inequality. And that inequality will imply that uh, the consumption, and so probably what I, my, my reasoning in the previous time was, was wrong, so we have to correct it. But clearly, the intuition for this is that here C10 will be equal to zero, and uh, there is no way we can give less consumption at date zero for Mr. 1, yet. Uh, the uh, Pareto optimum holds, but this is a feature of a marginal utility that is not decreasing. Finally, I would like to observe that if we have, if we are not at the corner, if we have positive consumption, strictly positive consumption, and an inequality of this sort, okay, an equality of this sort, then we are not at a Pareto optimum. That's what the condition says. We are not at a Pareto optimum, thus it must mean we can be able to reallocate the goods between the two agents and improve both their level of utility. And I would like you to think about the possibility, in this case, of giving one unit 
of good zero, which is the date zero good, uh, to one from two. Okay, so we take uh, one unit of good uh, zero from Mr. Two and we give it to uh, Mr. One. There is a gain for one, there is a loss for the other, and this is clearly feasible. We, have, we are still within the Edgeworth Bolly box, if you want. We are not changing the total allocation, the total use of goods, total consumption of goods zero. Uh, but, of course, in order for that, there is clearly going to be a loss uh, to, of utility for uh, Mr. Two, so we would want to do the opposite, and we are going to give one unit of good one to Mr. Two, which means that we are taking it away from Mr. One. And the uh, reasoning must be that because uh, we have an equality of this sort, by a such reallocation will improve the utility of both agents. And there are two ways to uh, see this. The first one is uh, to observe that we are, maybe the first one would be to observe that this inequality can be rewritten as, not inequality, can be rewritten as u1 0 divided by u11 is strictly larger than u20 divided by u21, right? And these are the marginal rate of substitution between goods 0 and 1 for agent 1 and for agent 2. Okay? Now, this tells us, if we remember that the marginal rate of substitution are the slope of the indifference curve, that we are indeed in a situation which, uh, I'm sorry, I wanted simply to have a new page, and we are in a situation where in the contract curve, so in the edgeworth Bolle box, we are at in a situation like this, at a point like point A. Okay? In other words, the marginal rate of substitution are different, the slope of indifference curves are different, we are it into an allocation, one point on the edgeworth Bolle box, the indifference curve cross, and thus there is an inside it is indeed possible to make both agents better off, and I'm claiming that the redistribution that I'm proposing is the right one, and that is on the basis of this uh, marginal uh, rate of substitution. We see that the relative preference of agent one for good zero relative to good one is larger than the relative preference of agent two for good zero relative to good one, so let's give one unit of good zero to agent one, and of course we compensate by giving one unit of good one. And this must be small unit, this is, this is infinitesimal, this is calculus. We compensate by giving one small unit of good one to agent two. Okay, think about this. This is the nature of uh, this Pareto optimality condition it must be that if we are not at the Pareto optimum, there is an inequality, and yet a possible redistrib redistribution, further redistributions are possible, then these redistributions will make both agents better off.